I'll get into my message. I'm going to read from Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. It says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let me pray. Lord, I, I thank you for an opportunity that I get to share your word, God. I thank you that you've given me a word to speak to your people, to your church, the ones that you love so much, God. And I just pray that I will not get in your way. I pray that you will have your way. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth are your words. I pray that they impact the eternal soul. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Why does Jesus have such dramatic statements before and after the Great Commission? Now this here is the Great Commission. From 19 to halfway through 20 is the Great Commission. Somewhere around here. It's pretty cool that I can just touch the words. Um, that is the Great Commission. That is what we as Christians have come to know is the Great Commission. The sending out. The charge. The what we are called to do. But it has two very dramatic statements before and after the Great Commission. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Two dramatic statements. I don't even know what other word I can use. It's just dramatic. I have been given all authority. I am with you always. I can hear Jerry Seinfeld say, why do I hear his voice in my head? He's funny. What we have is a Great Commission sandwich. The Great Commission is the meat. The Great Commission is what we are to take in. The Great Commission is what we are to focus on, really, and, and, and do and go out and, and really take hold of is the Great Commission. But there's two lovely chunks of bread that this Great Commission is in between. A passage of Scripture that most Christians are familiar with. Jesus has now resurrected from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave. Now he is sending out his disciples to go and share the good news that Jesus has made the way for humanity to be redeemed back to God. And his words echo through time and space to us. It's not just for his disciples. It's something that we take on board ourselves and go, yeah. That too is my duty. That too is what I'm going to take a hold of. That too is what I'm going to participate in. This charge is for all of us. This charge is for all of us. As I was praying about this message that God has given me this week, God led me to a thought that just as much, that just as, much as this is a sending moment, it is also a calling moment. A call to a certain lifestyle. A call to a certain way of life. A life without limitations. A life full of adventure. A life led by God to go and do. A life that has so much meaning and has so much purpose. 
a life that is adventurous, a life that is full of trials, a life that is full of tests, a life that isn't void of fear. Fear is not removed in this life, but demands faith regardless of fear. That is the life that he's calling us to in this moment. That is the life of a warrior. And that is the title of my message this morning, Warrior. There are a few things that make up a warrior. And I want to look at three of these things this morning that a warrior has or knows. A warrior knows who they are. A warrior has authority. And a warrior knows they are in a fight. Those are three things, among other things, but those are three things that a warrior knows or has. They know who they are. They have authority and they know that they are in a fight. This morning, I want to encourage the warrior within you. I'm going to talk a lot about warrior, a warrior this morning, but know that I'm actually talking about you or who you could be. So the first point is you are. In case you didn't know, for those that may be new to this space, you were created by God. God made you. You did not come from a fish. You did not come from a monkey. You did not come from anything else. God created you. God made you. Yesterday we got to celebrate Pastor Joe's birthday and it was a really, really fun moment, a fun time with the family. And uh, his wife, Ivana, had organized this beautiful cake that had so many different layers and different treats on top. And it was in the shape of a J. And everyone asked, did someone make this? Was this made? Who made it? What, what, did you make this? Or, you know, some sort of question is like, oh, was this made? And me, being jovial and funny, <laughs> said to everyone that asked that, no, it evolved. And my oldest brother-in-law didn't think that was funny, and he ignored my comment. Uh, the cake did not start as a fish either. The cake was made. And the same for you. You were made by God. You did not evolve from anything else. You were made by God. In Genesis 1 verse 27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I am going to poke some things this morning in that statement. Male and female, he created them. Just two. Just two. That's all. Just two. Male and female, he created them. We have been created by God in his image. We are the only beings that have been created in his image, in the image of God. Male and female. Born, both made in the image of God. Adam, first, Eve, male, female, and we are born out of that, male, female, in the image of God. In the image of God. And there's so much to that. There's so much that we can really pull out of that. There's so much that we can dive into. There's so much that we can discuss regarding that. And there's so much that the scriptures say about that. But that is a whole message for a whole nother time, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But Genesis 2 verse 7 says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. We are made by God, in the image of God, 
and brought to life by the breath of life. We were crafted out of dust. God took dirt and made man. That really humbles you. That's like, yeah, right, okay, I get it. I'm not that much. But then he breathed life into man. And man is the only creation that has this privilege. No other creation was made in the image of God, and no other creation received the breath of life from God. It was man that received it, men and women that received it. No no other animal, nothing else, just us. Humans are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are his masterpiece. There's a little booster for you. I just told you you're dirt, but we are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. We are his showcase, his most intentional design. His most intentional design. We are his most intentional design. I went to uh, something on Thursday night regarding a uh, chiropractor thing, and it was really interesting. And um, the guy went uh, about how incredible the human body actually is. Later did I find out that he is a Christian, but he's not presenting it from a Christian point of view. He's presenting it from a scientific point of view. And just the intricacies and the, the incredible features that we have as, as human beings, and we were created like this, intentionally made in the image of God. It's just incredible. We are, we are something special. I'll tell you that much right now. But we are dirt. Don't forget it. Don't think that you're all that. You're dirt. Yes, we are made from dust, crafted by him, and given the breath of life. It's true. We are clay, but clay with a meaning. We have purpose. David declares in Psalm 139 that he is fearfully and wonderfully made, pointing to the fact that God made us with such care and intention. Such detail was put into the creation of man. Such attention. Paul says in the letter he wrote to the Ephesians that God had you in mind before the foundations of this world were formed. Actually, more than just had you in mind, he chose you. He set you apart to be holy and righteous and blameless in his sight. That is the care that he takes of you. That is how much he thinks of you. That is how much you mean to him. That he thought of you and chose you even before the foundation of this world was formed. Even before anything else started. Even before he said, let there be light. You were in the mind of God. You were set aside by God. You were chosen. Know who you are. The warrior knows who they are. They know who sent them. They know who created them. God made you for a purpose. God created you for a reason. Know that you have a purpose, that you were created for a reason. Your creator knows what that purpose is. If you're going through life, what is my purpose? What am I here for? What am I doing? All these existential questions that we ask of the universe, God knows. How about you? seek, Seek Him. Search Him. Go to Him. Find out what He has for you. Press into Him. If you are struggling with your identity, if you are struggling with just not being able to fit in, not being able to find direction in life, go to God. God created you. God breathed His breath of life into you. God created you for a purpose, for a meaning, for a call, for a reason. 
He can give you the answer to that. He can set you on the path to live a life full of meaning, full of purpose. You are was a short point. The next one's going to be a little longer, so I'm going to drink some water. Point number two is you have. You are was first. The warrior knows who they are. Point number two, you have. Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make humans, human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is repetitive, but it's for a reason. So that you really get it. So that you grasp it. So that you know that you were created in the image of God. Not a monkey. Not a monkey. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God created us to have authority. That right there tells me that God created us to have authority. God created us to have authority over the animals, but also to govern the earth. And if you are a governor of something, it means you're in charge. You are over it. You are in charge of it. You have authority over whatever you are governing. Have you ever tried to use that authority on animals before? <laughs> I have. It's, it's sometimes challenging. Dogs are the easiest to, uh, to, to use that authority over. Cats. I think Joe, Pastor Joe yesterday, uh, last week offended you enough if you love cats. Um, they do, they do not bow to authority. But Rosie and I like picnics, and so every now and then we'll go for a picnic and we'd set out our picnic blanket and put the cheese and the salami and the, the juice and have everything ready, the cookies. It's all there, it's on the picnic blanket, and then an ant comes. And the ant wanders on, and he tells his other ant friends, says, hey, come here, there's cheese here, it's great. And so next thing you know, you're getting bitten by ants, and so I get up, I draw a line around my picnic blanket, and I say, in the name of Jesus, you do not have authority here. This is my ground. And I rebuke the ant. I tell it where to go. Go back to your hole. You're not welcome here. It's fun. It's fun. It works sometimes, I must say. I've done that before, and I uh, didn't get bitten by an ant again. Rose? No? Yeah? No comment. Great. <laughs> Obviously, you have to declare it for yourself, Rose. I think uh... <laughs> God created Adam, the first man, with the intention to have authority. But, God, but Adam gave up his authority when he sinned. When Adam chose to do something that wasn't in the will of God, Adam lost his authority. As soon as Adam chose to act out of the purpose of God, to act away from the purpose of God, he lost his God-given authority. It was gone. Adam was put in the Garden of Eden by God to tend it and watch over it, to be its keeper, 
to be the one overseeing it. That was the intention that God had for Adam. That was the purpose that God had for Adam. That he put him in the garden to govern it, to rule over it. That was his intention. And when Adam chose to do something that wasn't in the will of God, he lost it. He walked out of his purpose. Adam chose to give away his authority. Now, I don't think Adam knew the consequence of that. He didn't understand that. God put him in the garden. This is your garden. You can do what you will in the garden. But don't eat of this one tree of the knowledge of the, or the fruit of the knowledge of the good and evil, of good and evil. That was the one thing he wasn't supposed to do. And then Eve came along. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate that chuckle. I'm not here to say anything about it, but um, I think that's why women struggle to choose where to go eat. Their fingers have been burned. I lost half the room. That's okay. I'm just kidding. It was Adam's fault. Adam turned from God in that moment separating him from God and taking himself out of the will of God. Among other things, Adam lost a lot. Adam lost the privilege of living in the garden. Adam lost the the privilege of being able to walk around with his wife unashamed. Adam lost so many things in that moment. But the one thing that I want to focus on, that is he lost his authority. He gave that up. But God... In his graciousness, we see in the human story that he continues to continue, he continues to restore that authority. We see moments where humans walk in the will of God and the and the authority that God created us to walk in is restored. We look at Moses. Moses didn't think much of himself. Moses thought of himself as someone that can't talk to people. I don't have this. I can't do that. I stutter. All these things. And God meets him and says, this is your purpose. This is your calling. This is what I created you to do. God gives him a mission, an objective. Moses is ordered by God to take his people out of Egypt to the promised land. As Moses did what God told him to do, authority was given to him. As Moses did what God told him to do, authority was given to him. The plagues, the signs and wonders, the Red Sea, authority was given to him. Exodus 14, 21 to 22 says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that, all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, with walls of water on each side. Moses had a God-given purpose. God said that Moses was to lead his people out of Egypt and to the mountain where God first spoke to Moses through the burning bush so that the Israelites can worship him there. That was his mission. That was his purpose. Lead my people out of Egypt 
and bring them to this mountain to worship me. And nothing was going to stand in the way of Moses walking in his purpose, not even the Red Sea. Exodus 14 verse 6 says this, God speaking to Moses, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the waters so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Yes, in the in the chapter or verses I wrote before, it says when Moses lifted his hand, God opened the sea. I'm not getting this twisted. I know that God does these things through us, but it takes us to act in faith that these things are implemented. Otherwise, God wouldn't need us. Now, I'm not saying God needs us. God chooses to use human beings. But it takes us a step of faith. It takes us to interact or engage with authority in the will of God, in the word of God, in his purpose. And that's where we see the Red Sea parted. It was when Moses lifted up his hand and then God did the wonder through him. It was when Moses lifted up his hand that we saw the miracle come to pass. It was Moses acting in authority that God gave him and walking in the will of God that we saw, that we see this miracle take place, that we see a Red Sea parted and the Israelites walking through on dry ground. It was the faith and the authority activated by Moses to do this. We see the same combination of authority given by God when living in the purpose of God for Joshua. This is what I'm trying to paint right now. That's a picture I want you to see. Authority is given when we walk in the will of God. Authority is given. Authority is restored. What God created us to do is restored back to us when we walk in the will of God. Joshua 1 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I will give them. It's all the land. It's every single portion of the promised land that God had promised his people that Joshua was to go and take. This belongs to us. It's all. And that was his purpose. And that was his mission. And that was what God created him to do. The God-given purpose of Joshua was to lead the Israelites to take up all the land, to possess all the land. As long as Joshua continued to live out the purpose God gave him, he had authority. To the point that he asked God for daylight savings. Now we see daylight savings a little different. I know us Queenslanders think it's a swear word. It's not. It makes sense. But anyway... Joshua took it to another level. Joshua 10 verse 12 says, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. This wasn't a a command that we read that God gave Joshua. It wasn't a moment beforehand where God comes to Joshua and is like, Okay, now when you're battling the Amorites, ask me to make the sun stand still. That didn't happen or we don't read that. That may have happened, but we don't read that. We don't, we don't get to see that part of it. It was actually an audacious prayer that Joshua prayed in faith, taking his authority that God has given him because of the mission that Joshua was on, the purpose that God gave Joshua, walking in that authority that God gave him. 
and said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. If you're pregnant here, there are some really good names. This one right here, that is a fantastic name. I'd love to, uh, to dedicate an Ajalon one day. That'd be fantastic. Just some ideas. Some ideas, uh, Dean and Laura. Uh, I don't know why people keep doing that to you. Isn't it horrible? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Joshua tapped so deeply into the God-given authority that he had that not even the pattern of the sun and the moon got in the way of Joshua succeeding in the purpose that God gave him. Possess all the land. Take ownership of all the land that I have promised you. And the sun and the moon will not even get in your way. Nothing got in the way of the purpose of God. And, it, and Joshua knew that and he spoke that out with authority and he declared it and he said, Son, stand still. Moon, you stand still too. You're not exempt from this. And he walked in the promise of God. The authority that was given to him. When we enter into our God-given purpose for our lives, authority is given to us. The authority that God created us to bear, to have, to walk in, to work in, is given to us when we enter into the promise or the purpose that God has for us. In Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That beautiful first layer of bread of the Great Commission sandwich. Jesus has all authority. Authority that he gives to us as we do what he has created us to do. As we walk in his will and in his ways. Luke chapter 9 verse 1 to 2 says, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave authority to them and a purpose. He said, I give you all authority to do this, to work, walk in your purpose. He gives us the, the ability that we need to live out the purpose that we are given in authority. Authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. The purpose that they were given was to tell people about the kingdom of God, to heal the sick and to cast out all demons. After the disciples returned from their wonderful missionary trip that the church sent them out to and, and sponsored them to go on, they came back and said, joyfully, even demons listen to us when we pray in your name. Even demons listen to us when we pray in your name. And Jesus responds to their reports by saying in Luke chapter 10 verse 19, Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. That's got to stir something in you, because if I read the Great Commission, I see myself in that. I take that for myself. I see God saying that to me. Go unto all the world making disciples. I have all authority. I will be with you forever. Go. Authority is given to us when we walk in His will and in His way. 
The warrior has authority because the warrior stays on mission. The warrior knows their purpose and walks in it. The warrior knows their mission. The warrior knows their purpose and the warrior walks in their purpose. The third point is you fight. We are in a battle. We're in a battle. We're constantly at war. But who are we fighting? And who are we fighting for? Let's have a little, quick little dive into who are we fighting first before we speak about who are we fighting for. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 12, a final word, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. We do not fight against other human beings. We do not fight against other people groups. We do not fight against other religions. We do not fight against people that don't act like us, don't think like us, don't talk like us, don't look like us. We do not fight against flesh and blood. Our enemy is the devil. We fight against him. We do not fight flesh and blood. We fight against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We fight against mighty powers in the dark world and we fight against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That is who we are fighting against. We're not fighting humans. We're fighting all those principalities and powers of the dark realm. We're fighting the devil. We're fighting against him. Make no mistake, church, we are in a battle. We are at war. There is a real enemy and he hates you. But don't be alone in that. Don't feel like he hates me. He hates all of us, okay? He's the enemy of our souls. He's there to, he's, the Bible says that he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can steal from, who he can kill, who he can destroy. It's real. This isn't just a, a little parade that we walk along on earth going, I made it, woohoo. We're in a battle. This is real. We're in a fight. We're in a fight. That's why Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. No more sitting on the sidelines. We are to take action. We need to stand up. Too often, we see people that, uh, that profess their Christianity, say that they're followers of Jesus, and they just sit there. And they're like, yep, life's going to happen to me, but I believe in Jesus. And you know what? If you did make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior... And if you did declare it, you will be in heaven. There's no doubt about that. But you're not engaged in the fight. You're not actually doing what God has called us to do in in Matthew 28, to go out and make disciples, to engage in the fight. That's not what you're doing. It's time to get off the sidelines. It's time to take action. It's time to stand up and fight. Now, I'm not saying that because I don't think you're a fighting church. I'm saying that to encourage you 
that we can continue to stand up and fight. We can continue to wage war against the principalities and powers of the dark world. It's that we can continue to take up our arms and stand and fight, to be a warrior. Fight against the enemy of our souls and fight for who we need to fight for. Who we fight, who we fight for is a two-part thing as well. There's two sides to who we fight for. The first part is we fight for humans. We fight to see people set free. We fight to see people delivered. We fight to see people walk in freedom. We fight to see people inherit eternal life. That's who we fight for. The desire of God is that none should perish. Instead, He wants all humans to repent. He wants all humans to turn from our sinful ways and live in His perfect plan for our lives, to know Him and for Him to know us. That is His will. That is His desire. To be in complete relationship with Him so that we can inherit eternal life. God's will for us is to be with Him for eternity. We fight for humanity to know their Creator and to be with Him. Can I have the band come up, please? The second part is to, to who we fight for is God. We fight for God. A warrior knows who they are. A warrior knows they have authority. A warrior knows who they are fighting against. A warrior knows who they are fighting for. And a warrior knows who their king is. We fight for God. We are not fighting so that we are seen as the heroes. We are not fighting so that we get the glory. We are not fighting so that we get praise and we get the honor and, and we get all these accolades as someone that fights and, and we get lifted on high. We don't want the glory. We want God to get all the glory. We want the people to see Him through us. It is not about us. That is not why we fight. That is not why we bear arms. That is not why we stand up. That is not why we go out onto the world, into the world. That is not the reason. It is not for us. It is not for our glory. It's so that people will know God. It's so that people will see Him through us. It's so that people will follow Him and walk in His will and walk in His way. Our purpose in life is to not be the one that gets worshipped or the one that people worship. Our purpose is to glorify God to magnify God, to lift Him up high. It all comes back to God. The spoils of war belongs to God. What we fight for, what we gain in the battle, belongs to God. It is not ours. We do not do it for ourselves. We're not here to put ourselves on a pedestal. I'm not here standing up in here, up here this morning saying, this is great, look at me. It's about God. Yep. It's about glorifying God. And that is my prayer every single day, that I will walk in the will of God, that it is not about me, but that God gets the glory. My prayer is that I do not get in His way, but that God has His way. That is the prayer of the church, that we continue to fight, we continue to war, we continue to bear arms, we continue to stand up for humanity, not that we get the glory, but that God gets the glory. That's what we are here to do. We are created by God for God. Yeah. We are created by love for love. 
it's a whole other message to go into and start to talk about why it's worth fighting for God. We can spend hours talking and dreaming and and diving into the Word of God of how incredible God is, how beautiful God is, how worthwhile it is to live our lives led by God. But that's not the message this morning. But please take my word for it. It is worth it. A simple reason to fight for God is because of love. He created us for love because of love. And when He turned away, and when we turned away from Him, His love didn't stop. It didn't stop, church. It stepped in. That's what His love does. He sent His Son, Jesus, to take away the result of sin, to reconcile us back to God. Jesus, the ultimate warrior, our King. We fight because of love, because He loves us, because He loves humans. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing the name of baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. It is simple. Love God, love others. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Why does Jesus have such dramatic statements before and after the Great Commission? Because the Great Great Commission is a call to a battle. The Great Commission calls out the warrior within us because it takes a warrior to do what Jesus asks us to do. It doesn't, it's it's not about just sitting in His presence, church. That's where we get filled. That is where we start. That is an incredible foundation to your life. But that is not the be-all and end-all. Yes, Mary chose the good portion to sit at the feet of Jesus. But there is Martha in all of us as well that we need to get up and fight. We need to work at something. It doesn't depend on our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. But there is work for us to do. And there is a call for us to answer. He sends us, but He calls us at the same time. It takes a warrior to do what Jesus asks us to do. It takes a warrior to go and tell people about Jesus to make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them and to teach them how to obey all the commands that Jesus has given us. Because when we go, we engage into a fight and it's a fight to free humanity. A warrior knows who their king is and knows that wherever their king sends them, their king is with them and their king's authority is with them. And as they stay true to their mission, to their purpose, their king's authority doesn't leave them. You are the warrior, church. You are the warrior. You are the one created with a purpose to go, to fight for humanity. And know that your king, Jesus, has all authority. He has all authority and he gives it to you as you continue to walk in his will and in his way. And know this, your King will never leave you. Your King is always with you, even to the end of the age. That is my heart this morning. That is my prayer this morning. 
that you will understand that in the purpose that God has given you, authority is with it. I don't say this so you chase authority. I say this so you chase the will of God on your life. I say this that you stand up and fight. I say this so that you can be encouraged to get up and be a warrior. That every day when you leave a Sunday, you go into your Monday and you know that you are a warrior. You know that you are created for a purpose. You know that you have a call on your life. And in a simple form, it's to go and make disciples. Yes, there's an intentional part of your purpose. There's an intentional part of your calling. There's an intentional part of why you were created. But in its simple form, it's to go and make disciples. It's to go into your workplace and declare the goodness of Jesus. To say that you can be set free from this with the authority that God has given you as you walk in His will and in His ways. It's authority coupled with walking in His will and in His ways. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You love us so much. I thank You that You created us with a purpose, for a reason, with a mission. And that is to engage in the battle. That is to not sit on the sideline, Lord, but that is to take up arms and fight for humanity to fight against the enemy of our souls, to tear down strongholds of the enemy and build up your kingdom. The prayer that you prayed is simple. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we partner with you in that. We ask you to work in us and work through us so that we can be the warriors that you have called us to be, that we can be the warriors that you created us to be, Lord. Let us engage in the battle with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, yes, we are in a battle, but the victory has already been won. The victory has already been won. We fight a defeated foe. We fight a defeated enemy. And you may ask yourself, why? What's the purpose of fighting still? While he's falling, he's trying to drag down as many as he can with him. And we cannot let that happen. We cannot let that happen. We cannot sit by and watch others plummet into hell. It's easy to go to hell. Just do nothing. We're born into sin. We're born into slavery of sin. We're born into slavery of the devil. But Jesus comes to set us free. To give us life and life in abundance. To give us life in abundance here on this earth, but in eternity with Him as well. And that's why we fight so that everyone will hear this message. Because the will of God is that everyone will turn from their wicked ways and inherit the kingdom of God. That is His will. So let's enter into His will. I want to give an opportunity for, for people that may not follow Jesus like, like I do, uh, like most of you do. I want to uh, invite you into a moment that you can choose to make Jesus Lord of your life, so that His will and the purpose that He created you for can be outworked in you. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give an opportunity for you this morning to accept the free gift of salvation, to allow God to be your Lord and Saviour. So if that's you this morning, just give me a way so I know who I'm praying for. 
Just looking around the room if there's anyone that wants to make that decision. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else that wants to make that declaration, that wants to come back to God if they have walked away? Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray, church. We're going to pray as a church. We're going to pray together with the person that made that decision. And if you didn't put your hand up, but you also want to inherit the kingdom of God, inherit eternal life, to be led by Jesus, why don't you pray this as well with faith? So let's, uh, let's repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the gift of salvation. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you took my place. And I thank you that you put me high with you. Thank you that you see me as righteous. Thank you for your righteousness. I pray that I can walk with you to the end of this age. And I thank you for eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate that. Like we mean it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.